0: Up. Yeah. That's right.
1: Hey. So his, was that? So chill? S E A U X C H I L L. Two words.
0: Welcome to I Hire PCA. This is a podcast where we're talking about what's good and right and beautiful and believable in the Presbyterian Church in America, a denomination that is not the biggest, <laughs> <laughs> maybe also not the best, I don't know, but the one that we're in. And so I am calling to you from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and I'm a host along with my co-host, Justin Edgar. Justin, how are you today? Doug,
2: I'm great. So glad to be on
0: here with you on the iHeart PCA pod. I'm
2: here in Albuquerque. And uh, yeah, it's a good Friday.
0: Yeah. So Justin, my question for you today is, have you been involved in any weird fly-by-night fitness fads? You got any fitness fads you want to tell me about?
2: So yeah, uh, not really, Ben. I haven't really been in... I mean, I did Beach Body. That wasn't really fly-by-night. They've been pretty successful. I did a lot of diets that way, though. A lot of fly-by-night diets. Like what? Cabbage soup diet. You ever done that? No. Lemonade diet? Ever done well, that? cayenne pepper
0: in it? Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, otherwise, it's pretty standard. Keto, Atkins, you know. The
0: wreck. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the big fatty thing, but like our guest today is like in a super fad. And uh, he's going to have to answer for that because it's obnoxious. And, uh, and maybe everyone on our pod could admit their weird fads. Uh, maybe it's running. That is weird. Mm, Who wants to weird. run? or biking
2: mm, less weird swimming
0: jazzercise
2: mm, prancercise
0: yeah so there are there, there are things out there right um but we'll get to all that in confession time we're going to get in the confession booth with our fads and our erging and our like Things, accomplishments, quote unquote. And so I want to bring in our guest today, the f- good friend of mine and ours, Erwin Inns. Erwin, tell us who you are and where you're calling from and what you're doing these days. Yeah. Uh, Doug, Justin, good to
1: be on iHeartPCA because iHeartPCA. amen <laughs> And uh, yeah, I am a pastor in the uh, Grace DC Network here in the nation's capital, um, husband to one, father of four. Um, and yeah, I'm into a little little kind of exercise fad type of thing, or <laughs> as some people like to call it, a cult. Uh, but, you know, I guess we'll we're well, we're going to get to
0: your cult status, but first, how did you get the PCA in the first place? Like, what's your yeah. trajectory? Yeah. What do we sort of call the, like, Genesis story, <laughs> right. you know, the way <laughs> it works to become the superhero that you are. Yeah. And of course, for all listeners, we know that uh, Irwin is a, one of our African-American pastors that we're interviewing. He's also one of our members and our former moderators. So like, this is like a convergence of a lot of things going on here, but how did you, give us how we got to even close yeah. to this point. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't natural. have, Obvious. I didn't have a, a planned trajectory to come into the PCA. What? But, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't on my, you know, things to accomplish um, in life, but I describe it this way. I. I, I I have a, I, I had a soft land relatively soft landing in the PCA. So a lot of um, a lot of the black pastors you talk to, you know, or even African Americans in general coming into PCA contexts, come in as you know uber minorities in overwhelmingly white congregational contexts. And they're starting to navigate in those things. It's not like they're forced in; they they want to be there, but they've got to navigate some some cultural uh, things in those contexts. But I was at a, um, I was at a historic African American church here in uh, in DC, and had become you know exposed to Reformed theology, had begun to embrace Reformed theology, and had a sense of call to ministry and. Um, and ended up starting to um, sm- my seminary studies at Reform Theological Seminary, the D.C. campus. Mm. And over the course of that time, over the course of this, my first year, several people from different um, uh, different contexts who were relatively unrelated to one another in terms of they didn't, they, this wasn't some vast conspiracy, People started telling me, "There's this guy. There's this guy you need to meet. His name is Kevin Smith. He's pastoring this Mount Zion Covenant Church in Bowie, Maryland." And uh, and I'm thinking, man, I'm running into these people, and mm. everybody's telling about this Kevin Smith guy. Like this dude must be pastoring some mega church somewhere, you know? And so I finally reach out to this Kevin Smith. Um. And, you know, it turns out Kevin is, you know, Kevin is still pastoring in the PCA, African-American pastor, pastoring at New City Fellowship now in Chattanooga, Tennessee. But at the time he was planting PCA Church in Prince George's County, Maryland, mm-hmm. Mount Zion Covenant Church. And uh, and I got connected with him and uh, really just kind of hit it off. And, and I remember saying to him, uh, probably after eight months or so, of, of relating and meeting he and his wife and our families getting together. So, you know, I, I don't know if you were looking for somebody to mentor, but I'm looking for somebody to mentor me. And God said, you're it. So I'm adopting you as my mentor. And so That's that was awesome. my transition out of this historic African-American Baptist church and into a PCA church plant. I go from a that year, the church that I was a, a member of was celebrating its 100 year anniversary. So I go from that to a four year old PCA church plant worshiping in a cafetorium in a 1960 <laughs> something elementary school. So, you know, <laughs> but there you go. And now I'm in the PCA. So that's what I mean A soft landing is I, I wasn't aware of just like the broader denomination and the dynamics of it. I just knew this brother was a faithful pastor. He could preach the word, he was shepherding people and I wanted to be uh, equipped and trained. Yes, theologically I was aligned already but it was more about that um, uh, to me. And so I didn't come in like, oh, I'm just kind of this minority in all of these you know, white congregations yeah. and a majority white church and having to wrestle through those issues.
2: So after you uh, were at Kevin's church, what, what kind of transpired next? Yeah,
1: so I, I continued, um, came under care, right? Mm-hmm. As an intern, I was doing seminary part-time because I worked full-time uh, as a systems engineer with, uh, with Motorola. And so that, and my wife uh, had become a stay-at-home mom to help raise the kids. So doing part-time seminary. Uh, making my way through as a pastoral intern, getting occasional opportunities to preach at the church, do some Bible study, um, and, um, and really try to determine and see what the future held for me ministerially. Um, so my first real kind of exposure, you know, I came under, coming under care. Now you got to go to the presbytery, right, and meet right. with the credentials committee. And, and and a couple of things happened. I came and I was like, oh, okay. I'm not only like black guy in this room. <laughs> okay. No, you know, all right. That's cool. I've been taking classes at RTS. So, you know, all right. Uh, I go to Presbytery. And then I realized when I am at Presbytery, here's why all these people are telling me I was supposed to meet Kevin Smith. Mm. Because I'm all of a sudden around Presbyterians and he's the only black pastor in the Presbytery. Mm-hmm. And they see me and they say, I know somebody you should talk to, mm-hmm. this Kevin Smith guy, right? Um, and so, and so my, my desire really was to get through seminary and just really try to come on staff at Mount Zion and serve as an assistant or associate under Kevin, uh, even if I had to be bivocational, I liked my job. So that was my, you know, my kind of desire to just kind of transition in that way, you know, no, no big major deal and adjustment. And of course, you know, we make our plans and God has his plan (laughs) Mm -hmm. and his usually trumps ours. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So anyway, that's, that's kind of my, my journey into, my time there in seeing the broader denominational dynamics, at least from the standpoint of the presbytery, um, and then trying to figure out what
0: God was calling me to do. Amen. And so Ern, what are a couple of things that you appreciate about the PCA while you've, you've stuck around? What are some positives that we could say we're in on this? Yeah, um,
1: one, I would say just some deep fellowship and friendships. Um, you know, you brothers included um, in that, um, and so so I've I've been blessed to have some what I pray is you know lifelong connections, ministerial connections uh, with diverse brothers. You know, um, and so uh, I've I've been encouraged by that, and then secondly, and probably maybe even. Maybe this is primary. Um, you know, we talk about the PCA as kind of a a broad tent or umbrella within you know the Reformed and Presbyterian tradition,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and it gets it gets tested, right? Um, All the it time, it does. But the but our theological framework and commitment, right, of covenant theology. Um, this is what I, this is really what I love and not just cause I love covenant theology. What I mean is when we want to address issues and talk about issues of race and justice and culture, right. Um, reconciliation, unity, and diversity. I don't have to go m- make stuff up, right. Um, uh, I don't have to actually even go borrow from the Academy and you know, not against the Academy. Um, those kinds of pursuits, the engagement of those kinds of issues um, from a is they they naturally come out of our theological commitment like mm-hmm. you know all I need to do all I need to do, for example, I, I turn to our, the Westminster Logic Catechism on the commandments, this, the second table of the law, commandments five through 10, when we want to talk about social engagement and interaction, what is the, the duties required of, of believers? Like it's right there, mm-hmm. right? We don't have to make, make arguments based on things outside of our own theological tradition. And, and there's a rich history of people doing that, just that. Uh, and so that helped, that, is, that encourages me. That's p- part of the reason I'm going to say, part of the reason why, you know, I continue to to press and persevere and continue in this in this denomination, <laughs> right? Uh, because of our theological center, I think pushes us in a healthy and a, you know, in a beautifully orthodox direction,
2: like that. And, and that's tested too, right? I mean, like even in our own history, the ways we've missed that as a, Denomination, or as a reformed slash Presbyterian community, that's right. um, we've been pressed, and we miss all that. But it's there. It's there, and that's the truth. Like that is it is there, and it's not the the theological backbone that's the problem. It's the it's the hearts of yes, you no, know, those of us even leading in it. Oftentimes, sure. so it's the outworking of it, right? It our is. our application of it, our willingness.
1: Very often to to ignore. I is is interesting because very often, kind of the hot button issues when it comes to credentialing, ordination exams, denominational discussions, right? Are people candidates are asked questions about you know creation, right? A six day day age, where do you fall? These kinds of things they ask these kind of issues questions and I said I never hear anybody ask a question about like Westminster Confession of Faith chapter 26 the communion of the saints mm-hmm. and our duties for toward one another that to 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 make for what is good inwardly and outwardly and how the the confession says this um this love right this duty Right, is to be extended, is to be extended to all those in every place who call in the name of the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's right, what the it's what the confession says. And I look, okay, so how in your ministerial pursuit are you gonna live that aspect of the confession out?
2: Dude, that's my when, next question. I'm asking an ordinance right <laughs> there, brother. There you go. <laughs> I, I'm asking that question. Right.
1: How are you gonna live that out? Especially given our history where we've supported
0: Segregation, we've, we've done the opposite of that. Erwin, then how did you get to be the moderator of the PCA? Like, what's up with that? Yeah. <laughs> again, I wasn't, I wasn't aspiring to be in the PCA.
1: I wasn't aspiring to be a moderator, to serve as moderator of the moderator of the denomination. What a life goal. <laughs> yeah, that's right, life goals.
0: Like <laughs> um, when you were one. <laughs> Say it again? What was it like when you became the moderator? What was it? Just talk us through that. Sure. I mean, here's, here's, here's my, you know,
1: my version of this happening or how this came to be from my own, the standpoint of my own journey. So certainly others would encourage me around this and people had to nominate me and say that they thought that I would be, uh, um, that I ought to serve in that capacity. But I went through a a point in time several years ago um, where I was just in a season of discouragement about the denomination. Um, It it was really uh, particularly around the issues of conversations around race and justice. And I was just like, you know, I don't know if this is ever going to, really move anywhere and and i said well you know what i forget it i'm just going to focus on pastoring my church the church i'm serving in this community and the people um that the lord um, gathers here and i'm not going to worry about any of that other stuff going on in the presbytery and the denomination at all right and then i got this you know the lord convicted me right uh, with these two, these two thoughts. One, the thought was, well, that's not very Presbyterian of you, All right? And then the second one was, um, I felt the Lord saying to me, do you think I made a mistake in putting you in this denomination? Mm-hmm. Did I err <laughs> in calling you to ministry in the Presbyterian Church in America? Um, and you know, my answer to that was no Lord, I give you did not, (laughs) you know, right. Um, and so that shifted my heart and mind to say, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to be all in, I'm going to, I am going to say, Lord, use me however you see fit in this branch of your church to serve. So that means serving at the presbytery level. That I've, I served, for being moderator of, uh, of the denomination, I served as moderator of my presbytery, being involved at the denomination level, serving on the permanent committee for Mission to North America, um, then serving on the overtures committee in 2016, um, <clears throat> when we had the overtures on confessing and repenting for sins committed during the civil rights era, and serving as the the chair or moderator of the uh, Women in Ministry of the Church Study Committee from 2016 to 17. Uh, And so all of those things come after my confessing and repenting and being willing to engage uh, and say whatever doors of opportunity you open for me to serve, I'm, I'm going to be willing. Right. So that's my perspective. Now, other, other people may be watching from the outside have a different, um, uh, different aspects to add to that, but that's how I saw it happening, at least me being suited for that role as uh, uh, General Assembly moderator uh, in 2018.
2: And I don't think that's very different from most people's ways of engaging. Like I know when I first came into you know, Presbyterian world, I was like, just, I I don't want to, I don't want anybody to notice me. Let me just like be quiet and Hmm. do my job. And But then the longer you get in, you realize the importance of, you know, the calling to what we do that extends beyond just our local body, which is of preeminent importance, but it goes to the church wider body. And, and you, you know, slowly you get asked to do different things maybe, or you volunteer for different things and suddenly it's a different, you know, totally different world to open up to you, but absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. We're going to then head toward the break and then I'm going to ask you about some of your current writing. But so, what, but before we do that, what was it like to be the moderator? Just a little perspective on yeah. the other side of the podium. Yes. Well, yes. so you finally had, achieved your life goal. Right. Having the gavel
1: in my hand. Yeah. I had the gavel. In my hand, brothers um, one of the things it was interesting is like that that general assembly in twenty eighteen um, I real you know you have you go to general assembly it's like oh, okay, I'm gonna get down to you know the um, uh, to the vendor area meet with folks, I'm gonna check out some books, I'm gonna see what ministries, I'm gonna interact, like none of that. Like I don't even remember if I walked into, right, where the vendors are. If you're not on the floor, if you're not moderating the assembly business, you're thinking about what you need to do, right? Right. You're responding to things. So it's always, you are on. All the time, and you can right when you're when you're just when as a commissioner, you can be on the floor of the assembly for parts of it for important uh, debate, dialogue, votes, and some other things. It's like okay, I don't really want to hear that report. I'll, I'll step out for a minute, right? And then I don't know if you can say this on the podcast, but I realized how long I could hold my bladder. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah
1: I could, I could this is possible right to, to do it for a really long time, you know <laughs> my focusing on what's going on on <laughs> on the, the Florida assembly,
0: so there you go. <laughs> you learn some things about yourself right that's
1: right, that's
0: right, yeah well, you did a great job. we're so thankful that you were the moderator. So thankful for you as a pastor and I'm so grateful that we could to talk to you and I Heart PCA talking about what's good and right and believable and beautiful in the PCA. And so we're going to take a little break here from our sponsor. Uh, this is a good time to like, like I Heart PCA and share it, research what Erwin's doing these days. We're going to talk about his book coming up. So that might be a good thing to figure out and we'll catch you back here in a minute, and then we'll continue on. Sounds good? Sounds good to
2: me. My name is Keith Snow. I'm a pastor from Jacksonville, Florida. iHeart PCA is a podcast brought to you by and sponsored by White Blackbird Books, a small publishing house that publishes redemptive themes. Listeners should look up and buy Faithful Doubt. It's a short little book written by Travis Scott about Habakkuk, one of those books in the Bible you might skip over, but it's worth a bit more of your time. Pastor Travis reminds readers of the goodness of God in times of trouble and how God can handle our doubts and fears as we walk with Him in faith. Grab a copy and give it a five-star review. Irwin has books too. iHeartPCA is also brought to you by Beautiful Communities Everywhere especially unexpected ones. And
0: the of the new this is our PCA? We are coming back at you about the PCA, the Presbyterian Church in America. We're talking to our first African-American black moderator of the PCA, and he's been talking about his bladder. <laughs> yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> so I think that's, one important. Of is that's important. Of,
1: when you're in your fifties
0: now, and I'm 50s yeah, I'm not sure we've got into the profundity of it all, the <laughs> theologicalness of it, but it makes sense to me, right? So, uh, Erwin, yes. Besides that, mm-hmm. tell me about your recent writing project and why in the world we should care about it. Yeah. Thanks.
1: So um, the book that um, that I wrote recently published, The Beautiful Community, Unity, Diversity, and the Church at its Best, really going back to what I said uh, earlier in this conversation, where that the center of our, our theological center moves us out into this pursuit Uh, of unity and diversity and reconciliation and reunion in Jesus Christ. And that's been the heartbeat of my sense of ministry call from the beginning that you might call the Ministry of Reconciliation, let's say as demonstrated in the local church by the gathering of people from diverse backgrounds, from diverse cultures, from diverse ethnicities, me, that's the natural outworking of a rich covenantal theological commitment, right? Um, and I began to frame it or think about it uh, a few years ago in terms of the, the notion of beauty. Um, and, and really it's because um, beauty is something that you can't really quantify to... to experience beauty to embrace beauty means to also have to embrace mystery and a sense of transcendence right um, and we talk about god being beautiful right that all beauty and creation has god as its source is derived beauty from him and then realizing and and in engaging this reality that the that god's beauty is most profoundly put on display for us in his communal life as father, son, and Holy Spirit, that he is himself, beautiful community, unity and diversity, diversity in unity. And I start realizing, oh, well, how did I miss this? Because I'm seeing, you know, the reformed theologians I've read like Herman Bobbink, you know, talk about things like that how the Trinity reviews, reveals God to us as the true life, eternal beauty, right? Mm. Um, how in God too, there's absolute unity and absolute diversity. Right? Um, and that has the most profound implications for what it means for us to be human. Because right? the first thing God says about humanity is that we're his image. Made in his image according to his likeness, which means that human destiny is actually in beautiful community. That we were designed to reflect the glory of God as beautiful community, mm-hmm. right? unity in, in diversity. And so I wanted to tease that out in this, in this book to lay a foundation and say what understanding God's beauty in his communal life, laying some theological groundwork for who God is, knowing God, right? Uh, And then knowing him as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then what does it mean for humanity to uh, to be his image? And then how is that image now broken and fractured and frayed um, into our divisions or into our ghettos, as I like to say? our groups, right, and then put forth a vision, a hopefulness to say we ought to be pursuing this reality now, that to be Christians is to know, right, to live in, as we say, the already and the not yet. The kingdom has come, and it's coming in its mm-hmm. fullness, and, and as believers, as the body of Christ, we are kingdom outposts in the present world. And therefore we are called to strive for reflecting this glory and beauty of God as unity and diversity. Uh, and so, uh, so there are a lot of books that are written on racial reconciliation, um, on uh, diversity in the body of Christ, right? And I don't mean for mine to just be the landmark book, but I think my contribution here is on this imagery of beauty, Mm. right? Um, And our destiny in beautiful community. And I wanted to strike, I think I'd say some challenging things in the book, but I wanted to strike the hopeful tone that I carry myself in in this ministerial pursuit.
2: So just a follow-up on that, Erwin, like the polarization even of our country, Mm -hmm. polarization of our church, you know, the Evangelical Church, the Reformed Church, Presbyterian Church. You say in the book, unity cannot be manufactured. It's a matter of the Spirit. And the Spirit of God compels us to pursue this unity in practice. And so this is going to air, you know, probably around election time or after. And so, like, you know, how do we practically do this? pursue this beautiful community that's already been given to us in the spirit of, of God. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. That's a good question.
1: Uh, Especially the way you frame that last part of it. It's already true, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, The beautiful community is already true. We're just called to live into it. (laughs) Right. Um, And I I try to, I, I frame it this way in the book talk about the these four aspects of pursuing it one being devoting to the doctrine of unity and diversity as at the heart of our kingdom reality and our gospel pursuit it's not a tangent or an add-on yeah a nice to have right right that this is at the heart of what it means for us to f- faithfully follow the lord jesus christ mm. right? and so Embracing that gives me then, or at least hopefully, <laughs> uh, we talk about the fruit of, fruit of the spirit, a disposition of humility. And this is how it relates to our polarization, whether it be political, racial, or ethnic. Um, this uh, humility that says, I, I need to really work on grasping the way my perspectives have been shaped and formed by cultural norms and preferences, right? So I don't come into any conversation where there's a difference of opinion politically, on issues of race, I don't come in with some just objective position that is solely based on the scriptures. That's right. We are all shaped and formed right, by our backgrounds, by our cultures, by our families, by our experiences. And we, we don't normally do the probative work of asking the kinds of questions that say, how are those influencing the way that I view this political issue? How is that influencing the and?" And am I willing to actually learn something from somebody who has a different perspective,
2: mm-hmm.
1: particularly within the body of Christ, right? Am I, am I willing to engage in a, in, with a humility? I, I, I like to describe it this way. Can I, for the most part, be more curious than confident
2: mm-hmm. on
1: these issues? even though I can have a certain level of confidence, but a curiosity to explore. I tell the story in the book of a brother who's a conservative uh, Republican politically, works for an organization that helps promote Republican policies, right? Um, Who's in this um, uh, multiracial church and um, is finding out this was, when I spoke to him, it was, when uh, it was before 2016. So Barack Obama was still the president, but um, finding out after he had posted uh, something on Facebook that was really unflattering um, to the president, uh, President Obama, and was accused of being a racist by an African-American woman at the church. Mm. Um, And he responded by reaching out to her to seek understanding can we have a conversation about what you what you wrote <laughs> about me right um and in that he says i'm you know he said i started to see myself from her perspective mm-hmm. I started to hear her she he says leo and i realized oh if if these my brothers and sisters who are black here in this context i know they love jesus right and they support and love barack obama i must be missing something right that's the curiosity what am i missing yep. i i want to engage and learn what i'm what i'm missing right. and so right so that leads to him saying oh i'm still conservative politically but i hold these things a lot more loosely than i did in the past right i'm I'm influenced by some other voices. So that's what it that's what it looks like, right? Um, um that that even in the end, he's actually maybe even now more effective in his work <laughs> than he was
0: uh beforehand. So then uh Erwin, as we're sort of heading down the end here, is are you a cultural Marxist? <laughs> First of all.
1: Uh, what does that mean? Like a cultural Marxist? I these look, yeah. Um, so my fr- initial and in response is going to be no, but the other response is I don't even know what that means. Right? So, <laughs> so uh, Are you a social I, justice warrior? A social justice warrior? Uh, in, no, in the sense of the derogatory and uh, pejorative way it is utilized. I am concerned and I am passionate about justice in the public square, mm. socially, <laughs> right? Um, but those kind of labels, uh,
0: I for me, don't apply. What do you think the PCA could learn or change or grow yeah. in this... Era,
1: yeah. I I think I think the opportunity for the PCA is to um, be even more committed to our doctrinal standards. So what, and what I mean by that is what I sp- said earlier. Let's do some deep diving into. The larger catechism on the commandments, the the sin forbidden and the duties required, and see how much our doctrinal standards talk about our duties towards our neighbors, talk about what the responsibilities are for those in legitimate authority in the civic arena, right? Um, Not just in the church, but in society. And, and ask the kinds of questions that say, okay, when we see our civic authorities um, not doing their duty, <laughs> right? um, as it relates to those who are under their care in society, how are they going to learn that they're doing wrong?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What, asking health, healthy questions. What role does the church have in helping Bring these issues to the surface, because we, you don't get to be right a pastor or an elder in the denomination, apart from saying that you, you believe that the Westminster Confession of Faith, together with just larger, larger and shorter catechisms, are a faithful representation of the system of doctrine taught in scripture. so let's go deeper there right and, and apply and look to a, the, apply it. To our current cultural and societal realities in a way that's healthy and helpful, not simply as a resisting
2: mm-hmm.
1: whatever messaging is coming from the society, the culture wars, cultural warrior type of type of framework. But look to utilize and be a blessing in here and help to shape the conversation. In a, in a in a godly way, according to God's standards,
0: right? So, yeah, that's what I think. Amen. I love that. So I know we're at the order of the day, which you'll appreciate. Yes, that's right. That's I'm, right. I'm going to raise a motion on microphone <laughs> two, and say I'm going to ask a question, then Jessica can ask his last question. All right. My my previous to the last question is the penultimate um, question. Yeah, penultimate. penultimate question. Uh, you've got some Ergon championships <laughs> that I want to hear you talk about. So, like, what's up with your rowing crossfit <laughs> yeah. and cult? You know, like, so I don't, I'm in, I don't know. We haven't got to this. I don't know if we're going to jump as last question. I don't think so, but... And also, do you have a favorite CrossFit champion? Hmm. yeah? So, yeah, I, I've...
1: I've been, uh, I was bitten by the CrossFit bug 10 years ago. 2010 is when I started doing uh, doing CrossFit. And uh, a couple of years ago, I was motivated. So I've got some equipment at home as well, including a Concept2 rower. And a couple of years ago, 2018 in the CrossFit Games, they sprung a rowing marathon on the athletes, right, as one of their workouts. So... The equivalent of 26.2 miles is 42.2 thousand meters on the on the rower and so me and another guy at my at my CrossFit gym said yeah let's let's train and do a do a row and I did in the fall of 2018 did in December 1st Rode my 42,195 meters, took me three hours and 34 minutes and eight seconds. And uh, I decided I didn't ever want to do that again. Uh, But, you know, what's the next challenge? Well, concept two, they have this thing that says, you know, you get a T-shirt and a pin when you hit a million meters lifetime on the, uh, on the ERG, right? And so me and the same guy last year, November of 2019, said, okay, what did it take to get to a million lifetime meters by the end of 2020? And I had already, you know, all those meters that you had done for the, they all count. So it's lifetime meters that you've logged, right? And so I had, uh, I think around 660 some thousand meters in order to make it. Uh, so I said, okay, I can do that. That's, you know, somewhere between 10, 12, 13,000 meters a week, I can, hit that, I can hit that goal. And so then COVID hit and the shutdown, and I got this rower in the house. So then it was really on, it's like, okay. So I finished it in August, Right. I had planned to finish it in December, but I got to it in August. You know, I, have, I could have shown you my pin and my, my T-shirt that I have now.
0: We had somebody at our gym that did a million meters in like start to finish. Yeah, a two-person team. What? They're the first person, I think, to do it. It was wow. two women, and they did they traded and did a million meters total.
1: Good, good night. Look, I, here's the other thing. Doug and Justin, you know, I'm determined to act my age and uh, and not my shoe size. So I know, I know my limitations. I set particular goals that I think are relatively
0: good good
1: and challenging for, you know, 50-some year old guy.
2: (laughs) That's awesome. So uh, as we head to last question here, um, I'm not going to ask you something as foolish as East Coast versus West Coast rap. (laughs) Um, cause I know how you're going to answer that, but, uh, like, uh, so Brooklyn, man, like, a uh, best rapper to come out of Brooklyn. Oh, man. Okay. Out of Brooklyn.
1: see, I, I, I'm more. You can so, expand it. You can open the I'm, circle. Up. I'm more so claim, you know, New York. Yeah. New York. I gotta say, so my heyday, you know, was really the eighties, right? And so you've got these different dynamics. Of course, early eighties, you got Run-DMC coming out of Queens, right? Um, But uh, the two, I have to say that I actually put at the top, this is hard, but I'm gonna say um, Rakim, um, and, and Public Enemy, um, I'm going to say that those two, in terms of just like just raw music, um, and that a, had an impact on me. I mean, I still, in fact, even today, I was uh, I was in my head reciting, letting the rhythm hit hit you. Yeah, yeah. I was I was, I was, I was reciting Eric Let the rhythm hit him. <laughs> you know.
2: Yeah, I, I'm an LL Cool J guy, so, yes. uh, well, you, you know, know LL. He, he didn't have the same kind of cultural, he's more, uh, you know, different yeah. kind of cultural impact. Yep.
1: Than, uh, no, LL, LL is up there, uh, yeah, right. for sure, for sure.
2: All right, so you so, want to
1: give a shout out to So Chill? So Yes, funny. a shout out to So Chill. I can't name him as my favorite artist out of New York because he was born here, down here <laughs> with us.
0: Uh, i out about him. Yes, what's that? How do we find out about him?
1: Yeah, so chill, S-E-A-U-X, chill. So my son, Nabil into uh, our second born son, who is a musician himself. Um, he's got a lot of good music out there in the um, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes world. Some of his projects, I Heard God Laughing uh, um, Freedom Ave, he's this eclectic mix of jazz, R&B, gospel, and hip hop. Uh, so go check him out, listen to his music, support his music, tweet about it, follow him on- Say it again, R&B. Aaron, what, what, what is it? So, his, was that So Chill? I, yeah. S-E-A-U-X-C-H-I-L-L,
0: two Great, Aaron, I'm so glad to talk to you. Um, You're doing a great job. I'm so thankful that you're in the PCA by God's providence and that we're friends together. And one of the beautiful things is that we get to like be friends together and know each other. Mm -hmm. And then we get to also support each other. And that's true with like Heal us Emmanuel and here's Emmanuel. Mm -hmm. It's true with your book, Beautiful Community, which I think everyone should get. And, you know, like watching from start to finish your Moderatorship of the PCA General Assembly. Like, I think that's very downloadable. Mm. And, like, go from start to finish and just watch everyone moderate the General Assembly for what is that? 30 hours of your life? I stopped counting. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a, that's a worthwhile endeavor. I know I was tired at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. So let's join Erwin with our Herb Miles yeah, right. and our Amazon Fives and IRPCA and and also just friendship. And it's like we're we're in this together, right? So I'm just... Great How about uh,
2: shout out to Institute for C- Cross Cultural Michigan. Mission? Yeah. Oh yeah, which we didn't talk about, which is what the king is doing right now
0: <laughs>
2: for I thought a living. Ron was the king?
0: <laughs> and I, uh, Grace, can't be the queen. So have a couple pastors that we care about uh, up there, so they're uh, they're doing okay. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yes, I don't know, <laughs> I'm doing all right. By God's grace, <laughs> doing all right.
0: Yeah, but definitely check out. The We're thankful for you, so everybody, thanks for tuning in this long for IOPA Heart PCA. Nobody has to do it. We're thankful. We're grateful. Um, thanks, Erwin, for being with us. Peace out. Right. This is fun, absolutely. And I do regularly wear my City Prez in Ordinary Times shirt T-shirt. It's a good one. It's a good one. I appreciate it. All right. See ya. Thank you. Yeah. Ordained by my peers, putting suckers in sears Roy Taylor retired, so it's be chapel clerk in this year. What's next? N-S-E-T. No regrets, R-E-G-E-R-T. All the theology, the ophthalmology, the reason we're unified in Christology. I like my beats funky, I'm spunky. My oatmeal lumpy, and my Calvin is grumpy. <laughs> I ain't frontin', they say insomniac, megalomaniac. Off the beaten track, hoping for some positive feedback. Waiting for the a back counterattack from the circling AWAC. Just like that, yeah,